Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. So good. It really was to, to hear Fritz talk about that and to really cover some of those important things. And one of the things that really stands out is Jesus loves the Bible. Jesus loves it. He, I mean, he, he was there when it was written. He was there. It's valuable for us. Um, and talking about who he, he was there so when God speaks, we respond, right? And we respond when he speaks because we're in his word and we're, we're reading it. It's a part of, our, it's part of our lives, something that we do on a regular basis. I, uh, growing up, I was, I was not a good student uh, in school. I know it's surprising. You look at me, you talk to me, dude, it's so shocking. But I, but I was not a good student in school. I was not the person people came to and asked for help with homework. In fact, I was kind of avoided uh, for some of that stuff. High school, I didn't work hard. I did just enough to stay eligible to play soccer. <laughs> Enough to do the things that I wanted to do, if I, whether I was at home or wherever it was, I did what I had to do. But for me, uh, I, I learned something. I met my wife my freshman year of college. I was 18 years old. We met, and uh, my wife was the exact opposite. In fact, I always tell people that my wife graduated high school with honors. For me, it was just an honor to graduate. And so I kind of tell you a little bit about me, but in hindsight, it's a powerful thing because the patterns that I established as a kid didn't suddenly change because I became an adult. And if you're anybody that's an adult in this room, you might be able to identify with that and say, this pattern of life is something maybe that I've hung on to for a long time in my life. Maybe it's something you've learned to overcome or whatever it is uh, in life. In fact, it took me getting kicked out of college my freshman year to really start to take life seriously, to take what I was doing seriously. It took me being removed and kind of embarrassed by that by the whole thing to get my attention. And then I started to shift my thinking. I started to shift my behavior. I started to act like I, like I, like I, like I needed to. I started to read and study at that point. And what was my motivation? It was initially, honestly, it was money. <laughs> I was spending money for classes, and there was nothing coming out at the end. I wasn't getting the credit, you know, at the end for the classes, and I was, I was learning. But then eventually, I began to understand what I wanted. I wanted a specific outcome, and so I needed to apply myself to study to that end. I needed to apply myself to be serious about what I was doing. I needed to stop playing with it. I needed to stop playing with what it was that I was doing, and I needed to get busy with it. I had to say... I have to say that when I got my report cards, I usually was kind of surprised, but not really. I knew what I deserved. So what was the issue? Not just motivation, but for me, the issue was sort of the, uh, the, uh, this epiphany moment. And the epiphany for me was I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how. I'm not sure if it was because I was never taught. I'm not sure if it was because I just wasn't listening, which is probably likely the answer to that question. But I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how. And I would say that for many Christians that handle, that handle Scripture, we handle the personal Bible study the same way. We're not sure how. We have this Bible, we're told we need to be in it, we need to understand what it says, but we don't fully understand how to do that. For many, that's the way it is for us. So what happens is that I'm willing to put in the least amount of work to do it, and if something else comes available or something else more interesting comes up, I'm going to go after that. 
And we find ourselves not focusing on what is truly important in this. Now, I'm not saying that to be judgmental or condemning, but rather to tell you that the gospel is not something that God calls us to try. You've seen those bumper stickers that sure as try God. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is come and sell out. Devote your life to it. Give everything you are to what it says and live in it. But how do you do that if you don't know how? If you don't know how to get into it and to study God's word, if you don't know how, then what is it that you're going to do? We say yes to Jesus and we're all in. And even more, I believe that this is not, not the intent, but the result of not knowing what you don't know. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And when we don't know how to study, we can't get past what we don't know. So I'm going to show you this morning a method, something I use personally for studying the Bible to give you tools to maybe know how to study the Bible better. Maybe you look around the room and you go, yeah, I I can totally relate to that. I read it, but I'm not sure what to do beyond just reading it and doing that. So I'm going to show you how I study the Bible personally, but why? But before I show you, I want to kind of pique your interest into my motivation and knowing how to study the Bible. It's important for us because God wants us to know him. He's not a God who is somewhere in the universe that's, that's standing over top and going, going, man, you know, if they find me, great. You know, that's a really cool thing. And they can, you know, they look at creation and kind of see that I'm here. But no, this is a God that I'm talking about. The God that I know is a God that says, I want to know, I want them to know me. And the word that he has given us on the pages is just that. The words that are on the pages of Scripture are there for that purpose so that we can know God. It's not hidden from us. It's not something that was written on a page in some sinister plan going, boy, it sure is cryptic. Let's see how hard we can make this. No. The Bible was written by average men for average people. You're going, I, you know, I've never been to college for about, so I just studied the Bible. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to seminary. Maybe you did, and you're still not sure. But if you, maybe you're looking, and you're going, I've never done any of that. How, how, how is that possible? How can, I, how can I know God? God wants us to know him. It's not hidden. Scripture was written by men as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, which is what Fritz was just talking about. So let's start by addressing the barrier and simply say that if you're a Christian, meaning that you have surrendered your life, you have given your life and you said yes to Jesus and made him your leader and forgiver in your life, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the key to understanding Scripture in you. You you gained the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation, at the point you said yes to Jesus. So I'm going to give you some principles here, and you'll discover pretty quickly that they are pretty closely tied together. In fact, as you take notes, I'm going to put some questions up on the screen here in just a few minutes. But but, but as as you write these things down, recognize that they're pretty closely tied together, and you'll see what I mean as we work through them. And I could spend probably a whole ser- probably the whole morning, probably both services, talking about how to study Scripture this way. But I just want to give you five quick things. First one is pray. Pray. Super, super simple. And you're going, Matt, there's nothing new here. I, you know, sure, I'm going to pray. But I want to, I want to give you specifically probably the most basic but the most powerful thing that you can do in studying the Bible is to pray. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to show you. Ask God to teach you. Ask God to reveal. Ask God to guide and to give you what it is that you need in that moment. The second thing is to read. To read it. 
Actually go into it and read it. Read it. And then read it again. And then read it again. And if you haven't done enough, read it again. Read it over and over. Let it wash over your mind. Let it be that which we consume so where it's something that, that, that is there and it continues to be in our minds. And even find maybe another version to read or a paraphrase that you could grab and you could read that might give you an understanding. But just read it. Read it. The third thing is asking, asking questions. Now, I can say we can ask questions, but not just any questions, but if we really want to find answers and we really want to understand, we want to ask the right questions. We want to ask the right questions. So that's really where I want to spend a lion's share of my time this morning is talking about uh, asking the right questions. Keep in mind that as you read the Bible, the central character in the Bible is not me. It's not you. It's Jesus. It's God. God is a central character in the Bible, and what we read points to him. It's not about searching to find the giants that you slay or how you get past your Jonah experience or anything else like that. It's about Jesus. Where is Jesus in the story, in the pages of Scripture as you read them? So to see this, we ask, we ask questions. And so the first questions are intended to help you understand uh, what it says well, we call these interpretation questions, how we interpret the scriptures. First question is, what does this say about God? What does this say about God? And as you look at it, you're asking, you're asking yourself, what does this say about God? And since he is the big idea, it goes to reason that, we, that he will be seen in the pages that we read. It goes to reason that you're going to see him anywhere. You're going to see Jesus as you go through Scripture and you read these, pa these pages. And you're going to ask yourself these questions that might lead into it as well. Look at the character of God. Look at the character of God. Look at the essence of who he is. In Revelation chapter 4, it speaks of God being, being said of God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In Scripture, when you see things three times, pay attention. It's important. Look at the essence of God. Look at the character of God. Secondly is look at the conduct of God. What does God value? What is it that God is, is saying? What is it that's truly important? It points to his people and his actions. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. But here's what he does. He leads me. He makes me. He guides me. He gives me. This is God's concerns. This is, this is God's conduct. This is what he does. This is how he is towards us. And so it's important for us to recognize this as we, as we ask the question, what does it say about God? And the third thing is this, is look, look for his concerns. Where does he direct the gaze of his people in their daily lives? Where is he directing your gaze as you read this? Look at the concerns of God and see, what is it that God is truly concerned about for me? And a little side note on this is pay attention as you read. Pay attention to all three persons of the Trinity. Look for where you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work in those passages and where they come through. It's there. It's there. As we ask the question, what does it say about God? Second question is, what do I learn about people? What do I learn about me? And as, as I, even though I'm not the, the central character in this, there's certainly a, a, a thing in there that speaks to the people around and what the people are doing. Think through what these words reveal about the identity, your identity as a child of God. 
What does it speak to your identity as a child of God? What is it saying to that in you? Look for the things that indicate brokenness of man. Look for the things that, probably, that talk about the sinfulness within you, the things that are, are your, your, your feelings, the wrong beliefs, your attitudes, wrong feelings and actions that are said and implied in these verses. Where is it that I need to maybe lean into some things that need to change within me? What do these words say about living as a, cha- as a changed child of God? What does it say that I need to believe about, about me? And we'll get to that more in just a second here. The third question is, what do I learn about relating to God? We love God with every part of us and everything we do everywhere. Start with looking for reasons to praise God. Look for reasons to praise God. Let me give you a verse, and you can look it up on your own. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Look for reasons to praise God. Look for reasons to praise God. Is there sin that I need to confess? 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Is there sin that I need to confess that might be a barrier between me and God? Between me and my ability to hear and understand God? Is there something I need to bring before Him? What are the promises that I need to see and actually believe? What are the promises that this passage speaks to that I need to actually see and believe? This goes back to what we talked about in the beginning in prayer. We need to bathe it in prayer and say, God, show me. The fourth question is this. What do I learn about relating to others? We were made to live in community. And when he saves us, he makes us part of the body of Christ. We call it the church. We call it the church. What do these verses say about interacting with others? The things about different people in your life, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your, 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 your classmates, whatever they may be, neighbors, other believers, and non-believers. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, the end of that, starting in verse 25, into the first part of chapter 5 what it says about how we interact with others. What does this passage teach us about pursuing reconciliation with others? Where is a relationship broken that I need to maybe lean into and fix? You can look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. What does it show us about loving and serving and caring for others well? What is it that I'm supposed to do in reaction to that? How do I need to respond? How do I care for others and serve others and care for others well? Secondly, there are some questions to help you in application of this. And there's four questions I want to give you real quickly for application and how we apply it well. And the first question is is this, how do I need to adjust my thinking? What do I need to understand? Deep and lasting transformation begins with renewing your mind. Romans 12 tells us, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And in verse 2, it says, and don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. True transformation will come as our minds are renewed. Embrace the mind of Christ and avoid the temptation to think like we did before we knew Christ. The natural draw is actually going to draw you out and try to draw you away from God. That's Satan's tool. He's going to try to draw us away. And so what we do is we recognize that we are transformed people and we're renewing our minds. We're continuing to grow, continuing to be. The second question of application is what do I need to believe? What is it that I need to believe? The question is intended to take you from an intellectual understanding to shifting the way that you think. I like to think of it this way. Belief affects the way you think, which affects the things that you do. 
In other words, if you're doing something and it's all messed up and you're going, what? We need to step back and go all the way back to the beginning and say, what is it that I believe that's populating the way that I think that's impacting what I do? And as we read passages, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that I need to believe? The verses may reveal some false beliefs that you have and ask, what gospel promises do you need to start believing? The promises that are in there that need to be start, I need to start believing. The third question is, what does God want me to desire? What does God want me to desire? A part uh, what, and what this is dealing with is dealing with the affections of your heart. The target is your affections. Psalm 42 and verses 1 and 2 calls us to desire him above all else. But then in Proverbs 24, it, it says, apart from the work of the gospel, we will only desire evil. There's a weird tension there. And so we need to really think to and listen through the, what is it that God wants me to desire? And maybe adjust that in our lives. And the fourth question of application is, what next steps do I need to take? That is a lighthouse question. That's a big question we ask around here every single week, is what's next? Don't just stay where you are, but always looking for what is it that God has for you next? God's word has the power to change how you think. God's word has the power to change your desires. God has the power what, to produce a chan- tangible change in us and what we do. And sometimes the words of Scripture give us direct commands and clear outcomes, but sometimes it's something we need to be, we need to be watching for because it's not as straightforward. And this leads me to the next practice, which is writing. Writing. We started... We started in the beginning. We started at, we started at the beginning uh, with with uh, with uh, sorry with praying, reading, asking, and then the fourth one is to write. Writing is not something that is uh, is is <laughs> as commonplace in our world anymore. We don't write so much anymore. We have phones that we type into. We talk into them. We use keyboards and we, we type into our computers and things like that. But solidifying by writing your thinking and getting it down. Right? Because it helps you get it from thought into practice. You ever thought about writing your prayers? In fact, if you look at this whole list of things that I'm talking about as it relates to study, if you took the time to write your prayer, if you took the time to write what you read, if you took the time to write the questions that you're asking and then maybe your answers, and here's the difference. I'm not talking about journaling. Two totally different things. Journaling is like dear diary kind of stuff, and I'm talking about my emotions and my feelings and my relationships and that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. I'm talking about journaling and writing in a way that's intentional to say, God, what is it you're showing me today, and how is it that I need to respond? What it means is putting your thoughts on paper. Just start. You can pick up a journal at, at, the local, at any store and just start writing. And I would actually encourage you to do it with paper and pencil or pen. <laughs> it's amazing to me. It's something, a practice I've just kind of re-come around to recently is actually writing down things that are important, writing down appointments, because it helps me make that connection between here and here. And when it's here, hopefully it's something that will easily transform to here. The final one is memorize. Memorize. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Maybe that writing aspect means you're taking a verse that day and you're putting it on a card and you're carrying it in your pocket 
And every once in a while, you reach for your phone and that card is right there. And instead you go, oh, I'm going to grab that card instead. And I'm going to look at that verse that's on there. Memorize it. So often we, we relegate Bible memorization to kids. We do it in kids' ministry and we ask kids to do it. What was your memory verse today? It was John 3, 16. Well, what if our kids asked us that question? What was your memory verse today? Why is it that we've relegated that away so quickly and we've said it's something that's for, that's for kids only? I love going back to that. Jesus used Scripture all the time. In fact, if you look at Jesus' pattern, you recognize that anytime he was tempted, anytime he was pushed, anytime that he had an opportunity to speak into someone, so much of it was speaking Scripture. He spoke it. And you can't unless you know it. Put it in your heart. These are tools that I hope will help you grow and personally study Scripture in your life. Become a student of the Bible. Learn to study now by practicing now. I don't care how old you are. It's never too late to start. I don't care how young you are. It's never too early to start. It's never too late to say yes to Jesus in this way. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? Lighthouse, we want to pray for you. So we're going to sing one more song, and if you want to pray, there are going to be prayer partners here in this room, in each of the four corners up front and two in the back that are here to pray with you. They have the lanyards on their neck, and they're ready, and they're here to pray with you and for you. There's no shame in slipping out of the aisle and walking down to pray with somebody. We all need prayer. We all need prayer. Don't ever feel embarrassed to pray. But before we do that, I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would draw every person right now that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.